Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is season four, episode two. Uh, if you didn't listen to episode one of season four, I would have to encourage you to go listen to it. Uh, it is entitled A Message to the Young People. But really, you know, it could probably apply to most ages. So I encourage you to go check it out. I encourage you to share it with someone, especially someone uh, in the ages 14 to 26, that age range, I encourage you to share it with them. Um, so, but on today's episode, I want to talk about, uh, something else that I've been meditating on, um, which is prayer. And I know it's prayer and fasting season right now in January. So many of you are probably, um, doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, which is awesome. And so I want to talk about prayer and more specifically, how to pray and get results. Because I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, you grew up in church and, you know, you would pray when you were little. Maybe you, you know, everyone is like probably if you grew up in any kind of Christian family, you've prayed before or whatever. But, you know, when I was younger, I used to pray and really not see much results. Sometimes I would, but most of the time I wouldn't. And I really had this idea of prayer that it was something where I would just keep praying the same prayers over and over. And, you know, people can fall into this idea that you just keep praying for something and really prayers just to make you feel better about it. But like, you're not actually expecting anything to change. And so I want to talk about how you can actually change the way that you pray so that you will actually see results every time you pray. It's the will of God that you would have testimonies, that you would see answers to every prayer that you pray. And so I want to read this scripture, James 4, 3. James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. And so the first thing you have to come to the realization of is if you're not seeing answers to your prayers, it's not God's fault. Yeah, it's not God's fault. It's not because God has a different plan, whatever. The reason that the most of the time, the reason that we do not see, uh, results from our prayer life is because we ask amiss. What does that mean? James is, is telling them you're not praying correctly. And that's why you haven't received. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with the devil. The reason that you have not received is because you're asking incorrectly. And so I've been reading this Kenneth Hagin book, um, called the art of prayer. And he talks about in there how, you know, there's so many different types of prayer that we see in the Bible and each different type of prayer has a different set of rules that, that govern it. And so like, it's the same with sports. Like if you tried to play football, um, with the same rules of soccer, uh, it wouldn't work. Like you wouldn't do very good. And so similarly with prayer, there's all different types of prayer. Um, and they have different rules that govern those types of prayer. So one of them, for example, is petition, the prayer of petition, um, where you're requesting something from God. There's the prayer of intercession, where you're standing in the gap for someone. There's the prayer of um, consecration, where you're consecrating your life unto God. There's the, the prayers of supplication. There's praying in the spirit. There's, you know, so there's all these different types of um prayers. And so it's important that you understand the difference and you understand how they work so that you can see them work for you. And so like, for example, this is just an example that I have to use because so many people use this phrase. So in the Bible, Jesus, when he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, 
he says, uh, you know, Lord, let this cup pass for me, but nevertheless, you know, whatever, if it be your will. So Jesus uses the phrase, if it be your will. And so many people um, like to use that phrase behind all of their prayers. And what we're going to learn today is that that will cause you major problems in your prayer life because Jesus was praying the prayer of consecration. And that's when he said, Lord, if it be your will. But when you're praying most types of prayer, you never want to say that phrase because what that's doing is it's entering doubt into your prayer. It's saying it's that's basically saying that you're not sure what the will of God is. And so in some instances, that is correct. When you're praying, Lord, you know, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. I give myself wholly to you, Lord, whatever you will for my life. You know, in that type of prayer, you would say, Lord, if it be your will. But most of the time, you don't want to tack that phrase onto the end of your prayer. I have quite literally heard people pray, Lord, I just pray that you would save this person if it be your will. Okay, well, that is just an absolutely incorrect prayer. You should know, if you're a Christian, period, you should know that it is the will of God that everyone be saved. So when you pray, Lord, save this person if it be your will, that's just that that is that is basically declaring that you are unsure of the character of God. You're unsure about the will of God. And so you can't pray in faith if you're unsure about the will of God. And so we're going to talk about that, too, the, that you have to be in faith whenever you pray. But let me not get ahead of myself. I want to first start by reading John 16. John 16, 23 through 24. It says, and when that time comes, you will ask me nothing. This is Jesus talking. He says, you will ask me nothing for I assure you most solemnly. I tell you that my father will grant you whatever you ask in my name. Up to this time, you have not asked anything in my name, but now ask and you will receive so that your joy might may be full. This is very powerful. And this is one of those scriptures you could just kind of gloss over and not really understand what Jesus is saying. But I want to point this out to you. Jesus is saying, you will ask me nothing in that day. What day? This day, the day that we're living in post-resurrection, Jesus died and he shed his blood so that you could go directly to the father. You don't. Okay. And this is like, could seem simple to some people, but to other people, they literally don't know this, but we do not pray to Jesus. Jesus says, you will ask me nothing. Don't ask me. He said, you will go directly to the father. Jesus shed his blood so that you can go directly to the father with whatever request that you have. And so obviously you can address Jesus in worship or in whatever, but we're talking about here, a, a prayer of supplication, a prayer of petition that you don't address Jesus. Jesus said, you ask the father, but you use my name. You should pray in the name of Jesus. Don't just say Lord in your name. No, say the name of Jesus. He says here, it's like, you know, the, he gives us the, these, this outline of how to pray. And many people just come up with their own way to pray, but you'll see that your prayer life is a lot more effective if you do it 
the way that it's outlined in the Bible. And so Jesus says, you go to the Father, you use my name, and you will receive. Not maybe you'll receive if God likes you that day. Not you'll receive if you've been to church enough this month. Not you will receive if you've been saved for at least 5.7 years. No, Jesus said, if you use my name, it's an absolute guarantee that you will receive. If you use my name, the only qualification that Jesus is giving here is the use of his name and the understanding of the, uh, the authority that you have in his name. And it says so that your joy may be full. So that's the next thing I want you to understand is that you can ask. He says that you can ask for anything. You know that God wants you to be happy. You know that God wants to give you things so that your joy will be full. Simply for that reason, it doesn't have to be something that you need. God said, I want to give you whatever you ask for so that your joy would be full. And I pray that you would have an understanding of how much your heavenly father loves you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have the fullness of joy. So it doesn't have to be, you know, and that's what religion will try to tell you, you know, is that a want or is that a need? It doesn't matter. Jesus said, whatever you ask for using my name, you will receive it so that your joy will be full. God wants to give you the fullness of joy by answering your prayers. And so that's the first thing. You pray to the Father, you use the name of Jesus, and you have to understand that God wants your joy to be full. And so the next thing that's important that we have to understand is that you must ask in faith. And so, like I said in the beginning, Many people do not receive because they ask amiss. They ask incorrectly. And one of the ways that we ask incorrectly is even if the form of your prayer might be, may be right, like you're asking for something, you go to the Father, whatever. But the other thing that we have to remember is Jesus taught that we have to ask in faith. And so I just did a whole series on faith. I encourage you to go back and listen to them if you are you know, unsure about what faith is. But I want to read you this scripture, James 1, James 1, 6 through 7. It says, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering. For the one that wavers is like a billowing surge out at sea that is blown here and there, tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything from the Lord. So James is saying here, the same way that it's a guarantee that you will receive if you ask in faith, it's also guaranteed that you will not receive if you doubt, if you are double-minded about what you're asking, if you are unsure of the will of God, if you're unsure if God will answer your prayer, James says, then you will not receive. The person that doubts should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So how can we make sure that whenever we ask, we're asking in faith? Like James says here, make sure that when you ask the Lord for something, make sure that you're asking in faith. And so what I'm about to tell you is, an, is very crucial because I want you to understand that people can think like, Asking in faith is like you're asking and you're, you're very hopeful about it or you're being very positive or, Lord, I'm really just believing. I'm just believing, Lord, to just see this in my life. And that's all great, but you have to understand faith is not a positive feeling. Faith is not uh, being hopeful. Faith is not uh, just saying, I'm believing. 
Faith is a substance that comes from the word of God. So if there is no scripture, if there is no word in your prayer, then it is impossible that your prayer contains faith because faith only comes from the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So it's not possible to pray the prayer of faith if it doesn't contain the word. If you're not standing on the word of God and specific scriptures, then it's not possible that you are praying in faith. Not possible. Why? Because faith is not, like I said, faith is not just being positive. Faith is not just being hopeful. Faith comes from the word of God. So this is why, let me tell you, this will change your life. This will take you from not seeing any results to seeing seeing all the results. And how do I know this? Because this is what changed my life. For, let me give you an example. Um, if you say, say you're, you are believing God for more Christian friends, okay, you can just pray a prayer like this. Lord, I just give me Christian friends. Lord, please, just, please, Lord, just give me better friends, please, Lord. You know, if it be your will. Okay, that's one way to pray that will not probably get results. This is the way that you pray and get results. You find three scriptures that contain the will of God concerning whatever thing you're believing for. So this would be an example of a correct prayer that will guarantee results. Father, thank you that you said in your word that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Father, thank you that it is your will that I be sharpened spiritually. So thank you that you're sending me friends, Father, that will encourage me in my walk with you. Thank you, Lord, that you said that bad company corrupts good morals. Thank you, Lord, that you don't want me surrounded by bad company, that you want me to have good morals. So Father, surround me with good company. Thank you, Lord, that you said in your word that two is better than one, that it is not good for man to be alone. And I thank you that you said that no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. So thank you, Lord, that you will not withhold good friends from me. Thank you, Lord. And I call it done in Jesus name. Amen. So that would be a good prayer that contained a bunch of scriptures. And so those scriptures are what guarantees the answer to your prayer. Because when you present God with scriptures, the Bible says that God cannot deny himself. And he is the word. Jesus is the word. So when you bring the word, that means that A, you're confident of God's will. You're asking in faith and God cannot deny himself. So I encourage you, whatever you're believing God to see, don't just throw up a random prayer. Google it. Scriptures on whatever you're believing God for. Maybe you're believing God for divine direction. Maybe you're trying to make a decision. There's tons of scriptures on divine direction. You know, for instance, there's one in Isaiah that says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye therein. So you can pray like this. If you're believing God to make a decision or for direction, you can pray like this. Father, thank you that you said in your word that I would hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye therein. And I thank you, Lord, that Jesus said that your sheep know your voice. And I thank you that I'm a sheep. I thank you that I know your voice. I thank you that the voice of a stranger I will never follow. And I thank you, Lord, that you said that you are ordering the steps of the righteous. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So I thank you 
you, Lord, that you're ordering my every step and you're directing my course in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's a good example of a prayer for divine direction that will guarantee results because you're using the word of God. And so I want to read you this other scripture, which is basically exactly what I'm talking about. Um, many people probably know this one. It's so powerful. This is first John five, 14 through 15. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, if we ask anything according to his will, he listens to us. And if we know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, then we also know that we have whatever we have asked of him. This is powerful. So what is he saying here? He's saying, if, if you are praying according to the will of God, then you can be 100% confident that God hears you. And if God hears you, he doesn't say, now, if God hears you, he might say yes, he might say no, and he might say wait. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. That is not a scripture. He says, if you know that God hears you, then you have whatever you have asked. You can go about your day as if you have whatever you've asked of him. Why? Because if you know that God hears your prayer, you can know with absolute confidence that you will have whatever you have asked of the Lord. Why? Because he's a good father. And he said, whatever you ask of me using the name of Jesus, I will give it to you so that your joy may be full. So there is absolutely no reason that you should be just wondering, you know, I don't know if God heard me. I don't know if God's going to answer my prayer. No, you can pray according to the will of God. You know that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you and you have whatever you've asked for, then you should act accordingly because this is what messes a lot of people up. You pray for something and then someone calls you up on the phone and you start telling them, yeah, you know, life's just hard because I just really don't have any Christian friends. I really just don't have anyone for me, there for me or whatever. So you've undone what you just prayed for because you don't believe that God has answered your prayer. You don't believe that you've received whatever you've asked for. So you've canceled your prayer. It's the same way when you're praying for, um, I don't know, maybe you're praying for someone that is backsliding or away from God. You, you spend all this time interceding for them, praying for them. Then someone asks you about that person and you're like, yeah, you know, they're just doing really bad. They're so far from God. They're just, you know, and it's like, okay. You know, if you then you don't believe that God heard you. That's just it. If you begin to speak negatively about whatever you're praying for, then the truth of the matter is that you don't really believe that God heard you. Because if God heard you, then you know that you have whatever you've asked for. Amen. And so that's the key. You have to believe that whatever you've asked of the Lord, you have received. And so ah, I have so much more thoughts. So another thing, so, so what I just talked about was mainly the prayer of petition or the prayer of supplication and the prayer of faith. Okay, so in those instances, you want to pray for something one time, and then after that, you don't pray about it again. You just keep thanking the Lord that it's already done. You keep thanking and praising God that it's done, that you have it, you have whatsoever you've asked of the Lord. 
Okay. So that's like a prayer of petition, um, a prayer that you can, you, you can use scripture, you know, exactly the will of God in whatever area. Let's talk about something different. So like I told, let me just hit on this too. So like I said, in the beginning, the prayer of consecration would be more of something where you could say, Lord, if it be your will, for instance, for me, like when I was uh, graduating college, I was praying for a super specific job, but I really didn't know where the Lord wanted me to work specifically. I knew that it was the will of God for me to have a good job, but I didn't know specifically if that was the company he wanted me to work for. So I would pray that. And then I said, I could say, Lord, you know, give me a, give me a job at XYZ company. If it be your will. Why? Because that's something it's not specifically in the word of God. Uh, Victoria shall work at whatever company, right? So in those instances, a consecration where you're praying about the plan of God for your life, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever your will is, Lord, show me and, and, and open the door, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's different. That's totally different than praying for healing, praying for someone to get saved. That's different than praying for um, provision. It's different for all, you know, anything that's specifically in the word of God, you never want to say, Lord, if it be that will. Okay. So that's that. So that's the prayer, prayer of consecration. Lord, I give you my life. I give myself wholly to you, Lord. Prayer of consecration. Let's talk about the prayer of intercession real quick, because I feel like this is probably one of the biggest things that people pray amiss for. So when you are interceding for someone to be saved, um, you have to understand that many people are, God, save this person. God, just, just save, Lord, just save so-and-so. Okay, and that doesn't work. That is not the way that you pray for the lost. And so I've been reading this book, like I said, Kenneth Hagin book called The Art of Prayer. Highly recommend. And he was talking about how he was praying for his unsaved brother for like 13 years, you know, just kept praying, Lord, save my brother, Lord, just help my brother, blah, 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 praying God do something. And the Holy Spirit showed him one day that he was praying incorrectly. And, and, you know, he showed him, he highlighted to him how you are supposed to pray. And so I'm going to give you two points here. Two points of how to pray for someone that is lost. The first thing Kenneth Hagin talked about is that the, the Holy Spirit highlighted to him the scripture that says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his field. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. So what you have to understand is that it's God, God has already done everything he's ever going to do about salvation. He sent his son, Jesus. He paid the price. He died. He resurrected. He's seated at the right hand of God. So God has already made salvation available to everyone. And, and it's up to man to preach the gospel. God does not come down and preach the gospel to people. 
Okay. There's something that he's entrusted unto man. The Bible says, how can he hear unless someone tells him? How can someone tell him unless he is sent? Talking about people. So we have to pray that God would send laborers. Lord, send someone across that person's path to share the gospel with them, to share their testimony with them, to, to, to invite them to church, whatever. And so sometimes that person may be you, that you know, God wants to use you to share with that person. But most of the time, listen to what I'm saying. Most of the time, if you're praying for a family member, most of the time you are not the right person to share with them because you're just too close. And, you know, most people have a lot of pride and they don't, you know, they don't want to open up to a family member. It's just very hard for them to receive from someone that's so close to home and knows them so well. So I encourage you, if you're believing God for a family member, the last thing you want to do is try to shove Jesus down their throat and whatever. And you don't just want to be saying, God, save them. God, save them. So a good way to pray is, Lord, send a laborer. Send someone across their path to share Christ with them. Send someone to invite them to church, to pray for them, whatever. So that's number one way you pray. Lord, send laborers. Second way, second way you pray is you don't pray to God. Because like I said, understand the Bible says that when Jesus died and rose again, the Bible says that righteousness has come upon all men. Righteousness is upon all men. Jesus has already paid the penalty for everyone's sin. Okay? He's already forgiven everyone's sin. The problem is that people need to receive it. So there's nothing left that God can do for your unsaved loved one. I want you to hear this. There is nothing left that God can do for your whoever, your aunt that's not saved. Nothing God can do. The Bible says in, I don't know, I can't remember his first or second Corinthians, but it says that it is the God of this world that has blinded the minds of them that do not believe, lest they see the glorious light of the gospel. Okay, so the prop, the light of the gospel is already there. So God has done his part. The light of the gospel is there. The problem is that the God of this world, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So the problem is not that the, the salvation's not there. Okay, the light of the gospel, the salvation, it's there. The problem is that whoever you're praying for has been blinded by Satan. So how do we pray? You pray by taking authority, taking authority over that blindness. You curse that blindness that is keeping them from seeing salvation, from seeing the light of the gospel. You, you, you bind whatever demonic, whatever it, that is blocking them from, from salvation, from coming to Christ. So you take authority you take authority over that spiritual blindness. You take authority over that bondage that is holding them in captivity. Because many times we're looking at God and God is looking at us. You know, God has given over unto you all authority. Jesus, when Jesus died, when he came to this earth, he took back the authority that Satan had stolen from Adam. Jesus took back the authority that Satan had stolen from Adam in the garden when he sinned. But Jesus didn't keep the authority. He gave it to the church. So we are operating under delegated authority. So many times we're like, Jesus, 
save this person, heal this person. And Jesus is looking at us like, I gave you all authority to go preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. So Jesus is not going to come back to earth and cast out devils. Jesus is not going to come back to earth and save somebody or heal somebody. God is given unto the church all authority. And so many times we're talking to God about something, but really God's already given you the authority to, to bind and to loose and to, to take authority over whatever situation. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're praying, if you're interceding for someone, begin to change the way you pray. Begin to take authority over that blindness. Begin to pray that, that there would be a labor, that someone would go forth to share the gospel with them. So that's the prayer of you know, an intercession. I can't get into the fullness of it. That's just like a little tidbit. Um, and maybe we'll talk more about it in the coming podcast. But um, intercession is so powerful. And you have to understand that it's so different. It's different than the prayer of faith. It's different than the prayer of petition. Um, because another thing to realize, the prayer of faith you pray once. The prayer of intercession, because it involves another person's will, that's the only type of prayer that you can pray more than once. You may have to persevere in that type of prayer. Why? Because it, it, you're dealing with another person's will. And so that's the only type of prayer that you, wanna, that you would want to continuously pray for someone um, because you're battling against, like I said, that, that spiritual blindness, that darkness that's trying to keep them bound. And so, you know, that's a whole other thing. But the last couple things I want to say, I know this podcast is getting long. The last couple things I want to say, number one, stop praying for what already belongs to you. This is like another point, kind of going in a different direction. Stop praying for what already belongs to you. So if you'll notice in the book of Ephesians, you know, Paul, he, he starts off by telling the church everything that already belongs to him, them. Um, and you can go listen to my podcast called You Already Have It. I talked about this. I encourage you to go listen to that if you have not already. Um, because Paul talks about You've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. So really, there's no need to even pray for healing, provision, whatever. Really, all you really the key is that Paul prayed for the church is that you, the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light that you would understand what already belongs to you in Christ because it's your knowledge that gives you the power to take it, right? Because faith takes. Faith takes what grace has made available. And faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins in, your, in the revelation knowledge that, of, of what Christ has already done. So really, you don't need to, the main thing that we should be praying for as believers is a greater understanding, greater revelation of what already belongs to us, of who we already are in Christ. And, you know, I would encourage you to, uh, the best way to pray for yourself is those Ephesians prayers. And one that I've been praying over myself too, there's one in Philippians 1. Uh, Philippians one, and it's all really, they're all about knowledge and wisdom and grasping and understanding, um, spiritual things because spiritual insight 
is so important. The Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing and all you're getting, get understanding. Listen to me before you try, you know, because people put all their effort. I'm trying to get healing. I'm trying to get prosperity. I'm trying to get peace. I'm trying to, what you really need to get is spiritual understanding. Because if you have spiritual understanding and revelation, then you just begin to walk in all those other things because you understand that you already have them. It already belongs to you in Christ. And so really, that's the main thing to pray for. And so I encourage you to go through the book of Ephesians, Philippians, the, the epistles where Paul prayed for the church. And those are some of the most powerful prayers that you can pray for yourself. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And I believe that as you make these little tweaks to your prayer life, that you're going to begin to see more results in your, in your prayer life than ever before. Right. And that you'll actually be able to bear testimonies for the glory of God. And I know that even this month, January, that you're going to end this month with, with multiple testimonies of answered prayers of seeing the hand of God in your life in Jesus mighty name. Hey guys, this is Victoria. I just want to say thank you so much for listening and make sure that you subscribe, share it with a friend, share it on Instagram. Let me know that you're listening and I pray that these podcasts will continue to be a blessing to you.